Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. This is the Ash London Podcast. I am, you guessed it, Ash London. Reformed radio host, new mum and human being on a quest to live my best life when it feels like the world around me is imploding. Sound familiar? Every Tuesday, we do a bit of mum chat. Every Thursday, I do my favourite thing on the planet and I interview a guest. From celebrities who have entertained us over the craziness of the last two years to everyday people with inspiring stories. This is the Ash London Podcast. So, breastfeeding. Haha, so much to unpack when it comes to breastfeeding. (laughs) But there's a specific aspect of it that I have experienced that I want to focus on today. So when I, um, before I had kids, when I thought about breastfeeding, of course there's the normal warning and it might not work, it might be tough at first, you might not have supply, you might have too much supply. I was kind of prepared for those things. Um, But the experience, the specific experience that I had around breastfeeding was something that I didn't know existed, didn't know was possible. And if it wasn't for Google, I would probably have thought I was going crazy. And this is one of those many, many things that you can add to the list of things about pregnancy and postpartum life and motherhood that no one really warns you about. Or perhaps when you are warned, you don't take heed or you don't realize it's actually going to be difficult. But um, for me, I had uh, quite a big supply, which funnily enough has nothing to do with the fact that I have gigantic nogs. It's just what happens to some people. Um, Then I dealt with kind of the normal sore nipple situation. Side note, I saw a lactation consultant who suggested to make a salt water mixture and then sit out on the balcony with my nips out in the sunshine and it helped. It was amazing. It was the only thing that really worked. So take that one for free. But all of the normal kind of tough breastfeeding stuff aside, um, the fact that, you know, you do it 10 times a day when the baby's cluster feeding and you just feel like you spend your whole life sitting there. Um, I did watch the whole of Ted Lasso and Morning Warso. Um that's a side note. Um, apart from all of that, I had an extra, or still have, an extra layer of um, craziness that comes along with my breastfeeding journey. And I'm dedicating today's whole episode to it because from the little research that I've done, this isn't something that just affects a couple of people. Um, it's a lot more prevalent than you may think. So, It all started for me with a Google search and that Google search was something along the lines of why do I feel depressed and anxious when I breastfeed? It was the start of my kind of breastfeeding journey. Um, I was finding myself getting, in general, very anxious, filled with dread Um, and I, to be perfectly honest, thought it was the start of postpartum anxiety. 
I thought that's what it was. That's normal. Maybe just, you know, some baby blues. It'll go in a couple of days. It didn't go. And then when I started really paying attention, it became very apparent to me that the feelings of dread and anxiety I was having were only happening when I was feeding. So then I started paying more attention and I realized that the feeling was starting before any letdown. That's any random letdown I had, any pumping I did just before the milk came out or when I was feeding. In fact, the most intense part was before the milk even came out. Now, I want to try my best to describe the feeling. We call it the dread in this household because it is just kind of like the worst dread you can imagine. You, I go off food. I don't want to eat. I don't want to do anything. Everything that I used to love in the world in that kind of 90 seconds sounds and feels like the worst thing in the world and it is all-consuming It's just the most horrible feeling of dread is the best way to describe it. And then within a minute it's gone and I feel perfectly fine again and it's like nothing ever happened. So I started getting these waves of intense grief and dread um, and it would happen, you know, just before I would have a letdown randomly. I would know, oh, shivers, I'm about to leak because I would feel full of dread. And I Googled it thinking – you know, this has got to be a thing. Surely someone else has experienced this. And I found that a lot of women had Googled the same thing. And in fact, um, there was a condition that that matched my symptoms perfectly called dysphoric milk ejection reflex. Something I spoke about with my obstetrician who then confirmed it. And I certainly felt better when I realized that I wasn't going crazy, but there was something physically happening um, hormonally in my body. And on today's episode, we actually have the woman who really kind of discovered this, has done the research and coined um, the actual name, dysphoric milk ejection reflex, Alia. Um, she's going to be on the show in a couple of minutes. Um, but yes, DEMA is the name of it, D-M-E-R. So I put a call out on my Instagram page and knowing that you know, at least two or three women would say, yeah, yeah, yeah I experienced that. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of DMs came through from women ranging from my best friend had that to that sounds crazy, but most of them were things like, and I'm going to read some of them right now. One person said, I felt crazy. No one believed me. Advice was to wean or ignore it. Someone else said, strong feelings of grief and sadness like I just ended a friendship then gone again. Yep, an intense feeling of pending overwhelming doom right before letdown. Horrible. Another one said she had it and the lactation nurse didn't even know what it was. She had to do her own Googling. Story after story after story of women reaching out saying, yes, I suffered from this. It was horrible. And then other women like my friend Justine who said, what, it's a thing? I would get so low while breastfeeding and I never knew what was happening. This isn't something we talk about. It's not something that's discussed. It certainly wasn't something that I was prepared for. But even now, four months in, um, I have this really intensely. In fact, I would say today it is stronger than when it started four months ago. And there are days when I just want to stop breastfeeding and give up. But, you know, I push through. And to be perfectly honest, if it does continue, I probably will stop breastfeeding because I'm not going to put myself through this hell for longer than I need to. But I wanted to kind of explore this um, on today's episode so that 
if it's something you have experienced or are experiencing or experience one day, or if one of your girlfriends mentions to you in the future how they're feeling, you'll be able to say, hey, you're not going crazy. It is a thing. So it's time to introduce our guest. Now, when I was doing my frantic Googling and feeling so relieved that what I was experiencing was an actual thing, I came across the website d-mer.org. Now, this website is run by Alia Macrina Heiss, who is, uh, she's been working in the field of lactation for nearly 20 years, and she's considered the international authority on the topic of DMER. Her official biography says she's been the forerunner in identifying, naming, and investigating the anomaly of dysphoria with milk ejection reflex since 2007. I emailed Alia. She's over in New York State. She emailed straight back, and I'm so excited to have her on the show, selfishly, just so I can learn more about what is going on in my body. And hopefully, um, for some of you women and and friends of women listening, this is going to be helpful. I'm very happy to be here. I really appreciate you reaching out. Well, I'm just happy you exist because it is really thanks to you that a couple of months ago I went from feeling like what the hell is going on here to, oh, I'm not going completely crazy. And I would imagine... You are not going crazy (laughs) and you are not alone either. No, I imagine that a lot of women discover you through a Google search that kind of goes something along the lines of, why do I feel so anxious when I breastfeed? Why do I feel sad when I breastfeed? That is exactly how people find me. And when I Googled that 14 years ago, I found nothing. So it brings me a lot of joy that when that is searched now, people can find answers. Totally. So for people asking or wondering, I know you're going to be able to explain this a lot better than I can. Dysphoric milk ejection reflex. It sounds very fancy and crazy. What the heck is it? Okay, so uh, it's not too fancy and crazy. We have the milk ejection reflex, which is just the medical term for your milk letting down when you are a lactating mother. And then you have the word dysphoric, which if you think about the word euphoric, which a lot of people are more familiar with, which is any subset of happy feelings, the opposite of it is dysphoric, which could be any combination of negative feeling words. So when a lactating mother has dysphoric milk ejection reflex or hyphenated down to DMER, uh, she has a wave of extremely negative emotions right before she feels the milk release. So when the milk release is triggered right before she's actually aware that it has been triggered. That is my life. The one positive that I can bring out of it is that I never leak onto my clothes because I always know. know. You you (laughs) always know it's time to grab the breast pads and make sure that you're covered. Alia, it's insane that a negative emotion, a feeling. So for me, I call it the dread. So it's, I just, Mm -hmm. I'm overcome by this feeling of dread. And then 30 seconds later, I get quite painful um, letdown still. So I feel like mm-hmm. the, pain, the pain of the letdown and then I get the milk and then within a minute, it's like nothing ever happened. And I played and I have little games with myself where I'll think of like something that I love so much and for that minute and a half, that bit of food that I would always want to eat, that holiday that I would always want to take, for that minute and a half, it feels like 
the grossest thing in the world and it brings me no joy. And every time I try to think of more and more things to try and like catch myself out, but every time it's like, yuck, lasagna. That's a a really fascinating mind trick because a lot of moms who have GMER, especially before they understand what's happening to them, they will project the negative experience onto whatever is happening around them. Yes. So she's just gotten dressed for work and she has an experience of DMER. And then, you know, suddenly she feels like what she's picked out to wear is completely the wrong thing. Totally. Or, or she's cooking dinner for her family and she has an experience of DMER and she feels like she isn't providing, you know, good food for her family. And so it's a natural human reaction to have a negative emotional experience and want to attach it to something Mm. because it's the body. It's like pain, like physical pain means something's wrong. Pay attention to it and take care of yourself. Emotional pain, something is wrong, figure out what it is and take care of yourself. The problem with DMER is that it, it's misfiring. There is nothing wrong. There's nothing to attach it to. So for you to take this experience and almost to distract yourself from that natural urge of finding some kind of fault with yourself, you're looking for all these things that you do know are safe, happy, warm, comforting things and playing with the phenomenon of the fact that right now in that moment, they sound awful. Awful. And then a minute later, I was like, I would smash a lasagna. That's exactly what I feel like because <laughs> it is so quick. And I think you touched on something really important, which is this distinction between something that's physical and something that's physiological. And for me, like the, the biggest, as soon as I realized that nothing was physically wrong with me and there was actually hormones at play that were making me feel this way, it was such a such a relief, really. So explain hormonally and within the body what is actually happening when it kicks in. Well, it hasn't. We do, we do not have the scientific evidence to be sure of the exact mechanics of the mechanism. So there are a few different things I talk about. There are, there are a lot of hormones that are involved in lactation, and we as lactation consultants, at least usually just focus on two oxytocin and prolactin Uh in, in the short history of lactation science, because science is new in almost every realm, but especially lactation, it's still a new science. Which can I just say is ridiculous. The fact that lactation (laughs) is something that has literally brought humanity forward for as long as human beings existed. (laughs) But of course, because women lactate, it's the last thing we'll get to scientifically, but continue (laughs) Alia, please. Um, So oxytocin moves milk, prolactin makes milk. So when we're working with breastfeeding mothers, what, what more do we need to know? Um, But interestingly enough, uh, another hormone has a very close knit relationship with prolactin. It's considered just in, in general medical texts, it's referred to as prolactin's gatekeeper. Casually it's Mm. a prolactin inhibiting factor. So in the human body in general, if prolactin needs to go up, dopamine has to just lower a little bit and get out of its way. It opens the door, prolactin goes up and through the door and then dopamine levels stabilize again. So in a breastfeeding mother, 
every time the milk release is tr triggered, oxytocin is very, very fast and it moves the milk and you have a letdown. But milk is leaving your body, which means your body needs to make more milk. So that means prolactin has to start this slow rise so that you have more milk the next time that you need it, uh -huh. which means dopamine needs to do its thing and open the door. And in about 89% of breastfeeding mothers, this happens and they don't have any idea that it's, that it's doing it. But in the dopamine theory for DMER, that nine point some percent of breastfeeding mothers, dopamine is somehow acting inappropriately when the milk release is triggered and prolactin starts its climb. Dopamine, when it gets out of its way, it could be falling too far, too fast, too wide, too low. It's a mood stabilizing hormone. So whatever's going on in its inactivity, it's causing a very fast destabilizing mood mm. reaction. And then once it's out of prolactin's way and prolactin is through that door within 90 seconds, dopamine's job is done. It stabilizes again. And that mother with DMR is looking around and saying, what the hell just happened? The world was literally feeling like it was about to come to an end. Yeah. And it seems like everything is okay again. That's exactly right. It is. And I got my words wrong before. I meant to say you think it's psychological, but it is something that is very physiological. It's, physi it's, it's physiological and it gets complicated because when you're talking about an emotional experience, psychology comes into it. Of course. You know, we we have to we have to talk about the mother's feelings. We have to work with cognitive tricks so that she can cope and so she's not second guessing herself and all the things that go on because there is an emotional reaction, but it's not a postpartum mood disorder. Yeah. It you know, it's not a, a it's not a depression or anxiety or postpartum postnatal depression where somebody is struggling regularly long-term with a mood problem. Mm. This is a physiological reflex gone awry momentarily. It just so happens that as breastfeeding mothers, you know, we have anywhere from 12 to 24 or more letdowns in a 24 hour period yeah. when we're feeding our baby. And that's a roller coaster ride. And you're so tired as well. Like you, you you're exhausted and you're overwhelmed. And I had a lot of really full on supply and I was having probably, I would say outside of actual breastfeeding, I was having 10 letdowns a day. So really every hour I was having this yeah. feeling of like intense dread and I wasn't for the first little while, wasn't even connecting it with my letdowns, yes. with pumping, with um, feeding. And then I thought, oh, shivers, like, cause I'm, here in Australia, there's a lot of awareness around postnatal anxiety and depression. You know, they really mm -hmm. prepare you for it. So I was very hypersensitive. I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe this is the start of postnatal depression. And it wasn't until I kind of had a bit more sleep and was able to really kind of pay more attention that I realized, you know, this is actually only happening around my letdowns, around feeding. So do you think that there is – do you think that a lot of people do kind of at first just think this is a postnatal mood disorder and, and don't make that connection? A lot can vary. Now that I have been working with 
mothers with DMER for about 14 years. I'm actually coming into like the second generation mm. of mothers with DMER. And they learned about it with their first babies, let's say five years ago, and they're having their second babies. And they're actually starting to recognize that they're having it during pregnancy. Wow. When, when colostrum is being made and there are similar hormonal reactions going on in the body. When you have a first time mom, and so I had it only with my third and I had been working in the field of lactation for a while. I was a certified lactation counselor at that time. Um, I too also had a very full supply. Um, and it wasn't until I finally opened a buried thread on a message board where somebody else had connected the experience to let down, but she described my emotional experience and it's, it's gut sinking. Mm depth and its brevity so concisely, except she had connected it to let down. And I was still in that very messy postpartum phase, like you described for yourself, where I had a very full milk supply. I was letting down milk all the time. I was having a ton of spontaneous releases enough so that I hadn't quite connected it to let down. So when I read that, that was my aha moment. Mm. So I think that there are some moms now that know what DMER is and they know what it feels like and they can recognize it right away. There are some mothers who perhaps uh, aren't dealing with as many spontaneous releases and can connect it to letdown more quickly. There are definitely a lot of moms who have really full supplies and it takes them a little longer you know, and then, then there are also some moms, you know, who don't even have the letdown sensation like you described. And so connecting it to milk release can be that much harder because they're not feeling the physical sensation of letdown. So it, it's across the board, but it seems that for the most part, eventually people, people seem to find me and find the information now. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What I think is is so strange to me, though, is that as women, especially um, like in, in the states where you are in Australia, where I am, we're so well prepared. There's so much support. There's so much information. You know, I went through a, a you know a private doctor, so I had an obstetrician that I saw very regularly for forty weeks, and I still had never heard of this term. I wasn't prepared. It really is no information. And you're saying up to 9% of lactating mothers experience this. So where do you think that disconnect is that people are experiencing this, but no one is talking about it? Well, you know, it's interesting because for me and my experience over, over working and watching the past 14 years, 
they are now. Mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, in the three biggest texts for lactation consultants, it covers it. And in at least five, I think there's a full clickable link, I believe, yeah. on the website to all of the books for nursing mothers that also address it briefly. Right. But new mothers, pregnant mothers are taking in so much information. And this is a tiny little subset. Interestingly enough, though, so I don't want to I don't want to completely underplay it. So there was this prevalent study done on DMER, and they did find that just under 10% of breastfeeding mothers have DMER. And then there was a mother with DMER, who is also a freelance reporter. And she reached out to me because she did the research and she found out that the prevalency rate for mastitis is lower than the prevalency rate for DMER. And she said to me, what, what pregnant breastfeeding woman hasn't heard of mastitis? How come I know about mastitis and I didn't know about DMER? And that was a really, really solid point. Totally. So there's not enough education about it. Um, there was another research paper done that showed that most likely diagnosis for DMER is actually a misdiagnosis of postnatal depression. Mm. Um, and that's also not surprising. Um, lactation consultants are so much more educated now than they were uh, when I first started RNs and MDs, medical doctors and registered nurses. Uh, I still feel like there's a huge gap there. But as far as, you know, supporting mothers, writing, speaking, educating, I, I only have so many outlets myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's only girl. so much one woman can do. Of course. <laughs> um, so I think that a lot of it is a matter of time because I'm also, you know, these research papers that I casually mention, um, they're all linked on the d-mer.org website. I'm only the co-author of one of them. Mm. Uh, so there are a lot of other people who are interested and in starting to do the work. But unfortunately, in order to acquire an evidence base, it's slow going. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to do this, because I know that a lot of women, a lot of moms listen to this podcast. And I can just bet you that so many of them have experienced this, but put it down to being exhausted or emotional or having a touch of anxiety or depression or something like that. Um, I just know that a lot more people are struggling with this than, than we think. And I remember when I kind of had Googled it and kind of self-diagnosed, I was a bit nervous to mention it to my obstetrician because right. I thought that she'd kind of roll her eyes at me or something and yes. be like, oh, that's not a thing. Now, luckily she was almost excited when I told her, I said, I have been having these like feelings of dread when I feed or have a letdown. She kind of interrupted me. She's like, oh, DMER. And I was like, really, you know, it? Like, it's a thing. And she was like, yes, it's absolutely a thing. It's just, you know, it's somewhat rare. And then she kind of um, had questions for me. Cause it, so <laughs> for someone that had been, you know, like delivering babies for 20 years to her, this was something that, you know, like not a lot of women had kind of found and, 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 and discussed. And she was asking me questions and it was such a relief to hear from my kind of medical caregiver that what I was experiencing, you know, was a legitimate thing because my fear was that she was going to think it was just something that I'd found on the internet that wasn't real. 
So yeah, and I, not and that I we should wanna, need that. Not that I should need my OB to tell me, no, you're not imagining it. What you have is a real thing. But I think we're kind of conditioned that way maybe. Well, here's the thing. You're entitled to that validation from a caregiver. And every mother is entitled to have that kind of care and attention and affirmation and validation from a caregiver. Um, And you talk about the fear, even once you found out that you weren't alone, you weren't crazy, and it was a real thing. And you, who seems like a pretty outspoken, headstrong woman, Mm -hmm. still (laughs) felt hesitant to say something. And I have women on the support group page. Um, There are some, despite the fact that, that there are research, there are research papers there, you know, there's, (laughs) there, there's documentation. It's in medical texts. There are some mothers who still haven't even told their partner that they're struggling Mm. with it because they're still holding that shame and fear about their emotional experience. And we could unpack that for such a long amount of time when it comes to, you know, women being diagnosed with hysteria and the relationship we have with our own emotions and how often as women we're invalidated for our emotional experiences and on and on and on. Um, but it, but it shows up because I'm not just a blog in 2015 who's saying hey I think this is a real thing that happens to women that's that's where I started that's not where we are anymore you can bring in peer-reviewed studies to your doctor and say this is a diagnosable condition that I'm struggling with and women are still scared to do it Mm, that's that's so true and so well put And that's why in the beginning, I referred to it as breastfeeding's best kept secret, because, you know, women obviously were dealing with this before I was Mm. a decade and a half ago, but they weren't talking about it. They weren't talking to each other. Yeah. And that, and that shame and fear that says something. And the fact that 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 trend is still there says something. Absolutely. So if someone's listening and this is ringing a lot of bells and it's feeling very familiar for them, I know that you have um, some great resources and literature at your website. So tell everyone listening about it so they can get around it if they need. Uh, yeah, I, I try to keep everything condensed at d-mer.org. Uh, there, there, that links out to a lot of different places in regards to the support group page that I mentioned and my Patreon page, which I try to keep somewhat active, uh, as well as links to all of the studies. I have handouts there for both caregivers, support people, and mothers. They've been uh, generously translated into, I think, at least five languages, and they're all available for download. There are some quick and easy links to Google Scholar uh, that lists everything about DMER and another quick link to Google books that lists all of the books that talk about dysphoric milk ejection reflex. So uh, I try to keep it as simple, but as hearty as possible at d-mer.org. Beautiful. Well, it has been a huge help to me. If it wasn't for you and your work and your persistence, I would probably feel like something was wrong with me and I was going a little crazy. So from a personal perspective, Alia, Thank you so much. Um, And I know a lot of people listening are going to get some relief and some help. And it's just 
it's just a nice feeling to feel known, especially, you know, this most vulnerable time in our lives, really. So thank you for all you've done and thank you for making time to chat today. You're an, you're an absolute legend, mate. <laughs> well, thank you for... Uh, taking the time to do your own part and uh, working on raising awareness and educating and uh, supporting women like yourself. If you're listening and you want more information, you can head to d slash mer.org. There is so much information there. Let's keep talking about this. If this is something that you have experienced, my one my one ask of you would be to not be afraid to talk about it because the more we as women have conversations about this, the more other women um, aren't shocked, aren't surprised, don't wait six months or a year or never to find out what's going on with them. So yeah, that website's also got a lot of information about um, while there is no cure, um, different things that can help support you um, if this is something that you're struggling with. Big love to Alia for being my guest and for all of the incredible women who hit me up on the DMs to say, hey, 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 this was me. I hope this has been helpful. Um, I love you guys. Stay safe and well. And yeah, think of me at at 2 a.m. tonight, which is generally when I do my middle of the night feed and sit there while my husband snores and feel like crap. (laughs) Lucky buddy's cute, hey? Have a great week, guys. I'll catch you on Thursday. If you have any feedback, thoughts, suggestions, or just want to have a chat, you can hit me up anytime. Hello at ash.london. Audio production on the podcast is by Dom Evans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.